0: Welcome everyone, I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana and we're here today for shreveport bossier my city, my community, my home. My guest today is Keith Burton and uh, I'm really excited to sit down and talk about shreveport bossier through the lens of Keith. So thanks for making the time when I know you're a super busy individual.
1: Well thank you for having me, it's As- a pleasure to be here.
0: Absolutely. All right, Keith, so, and feel free to correct me if I'm incorrect on anything I say. Um, You're the chief academic officer for Caddo Parish Public Schools. I believe you were a 31-year veteran of Caddo schools. That's correct. Prior to serving as chief academic officer, among other things, you served as the principal of Fairfield Elementary School, South Highlands, and Caddo Middle Magnet. I want to cover a, a number of different programs with you today so let's start here. You serve on the Advisory Council of Volunteers of America's Communities and Schools or CIS as many people know it. I pulled this from VOA's website. In Caddo Parish, approximately 70 percent of students live in poverty. A licensed partnership between Volunteers of America North Louisiana and Communities and Schools, the largest and most effective dropout prevention organization is aimed at surrounding these students with a community of support, empowering them to stay in school and achieve in life. Talk to me, if you could, about CIS, some of the programs it offers, and why it is so important that we have organizations like it in our schools.
1: Now, Community in Schools, um, first of all, the partnership with Community in Schools, which is a national organization, and VOA is unique in itself. Typically, um, community and schools will partner directly with the school system. But in order to be able to um, have a broader reach, um, Volunteers of America partnered with community and schools to be able to provide additional resources to, to, to really be able to um, make a greater difference in shreveport Posure area. Um, what we have attempted to do in Caddo Parish is, just, first of all, work backwards. We, we looked at where are our kids progressing, especially those that have the greatest poverty, and typically those are, are focused into two high schools, um, Woodlawn High School and Booker T. Washington. So we really worked backwards from there. Where are the feeder patterns to those two schools? And then what are the supports that we could provide, especially to elementary students first, to be able to wrap around services to them to build, first of all, or take down any barriers that they're having. CIS is focused in three areas. They're focused, first of all, on academics. Do we have a group of students who are struggling academically? And if we nurture them in that area, if we provide supports, whether that be through additional time, whether that be through tutoring, um, being able to be an advocate for that student with teachers and administration, we know that that'll boost that child's academic performance. The second thing is attendance. Um, you know, it's, it's very easy to say, we just need students to come to school, but many times they're so challenged in their home, Um, Whether that be, you know, there may be an an issue with uniforms, there may be an issue with transportation, there may be an issue just with, you know, a a parent or a guardian or grandmother working and that child's getting up on their own to get to school. Um, And and so having a CIS advocate on site focused on attendance and ensuring that a group of students who are challenged in that area have support is important. Um, The third area is discipline. Ensuring that we have kids who are responding appropriately in the classrooms and in the hallways and in that school environment is really important. So CIS is extremely impactful. Um, What we have found in a slow rollout, one of the things that Dr. Gorey has really emphasized to all of us is he does not want to go very wide quickly. He would rather stay very focused and go very deep with support so being able to look at you know when you look at atkins or you look at oak park or you look at you know uh, broadmoor just recently the ability to impact students around those three major areas have been huge again um, uh, we also and we also use um, carolyn spade gonzalez which is an external um, assessor for us to be able, not from VOA's eyes or not from CADO School's eyes, but an external um, researcher looking at the data and saying, but this control group versus our CIS students, are we making a difference? And we're really seeing a tremendous difference in all three areas. Now, along with anything else, it depends on buy-in of the principal. So we're always trying to help that principal understand the role of an external partner in, in impacting students. Um, it's also sometimes we run into vacancies either of CIS staff or with Caddo Parish staff. And so when we, do, when we don't see the data turn as we want to, typically we can, we can boil it down to one of those two issues. It's either an administrative buy-in problem or there's been some key vacancies with, with staff but a great partnership and one that's making a tremendous impact in those in those schools.
0: And just a couple of questions uh, on top of what you just said. One, can you talk to me a little bit about the specifics of how the CIS advocates work in some of those areas? how do they work in academics or how do they work in attendance or how do they work in discipline? And then my other question was just with Carolyn's work, or her metric is she trying to evaluate after one academic year is she evaluating daily is she evaluating weekly is she evaluating monthly just what does that process look like a little bit okay
1: first of all there's a cis coordinator on site and so that person works for cis not the school board and they are on site but yet we treat them just like a staff member um, they then in turn look at student data and then based upon kids who have the greatest needs they bring they bring on a caseload. And so they work with parents or guardians to be able to get permission to work with those students. And then they build a caseload around those three major areas, attendance, discipline, and academics. Um, Each student, and there are some students that may have multiple challenges in in all of those areas. Um, And they work very, very um, closely with the classroom teacher, They also try to be that liaison between the school or the classroom and that child's home. Um, They also work with other partners, whether that be, let's say, that student is having um, social-emotional challenges and may have a counselor on the side. That liaison works between the school and that child's counselor. They also work with um, even churches and other community organizations that may be touching that child in in any way. Um, As far as Carolyn's work does, first of all, she reports to the entire board um, every every, um, year. Um, She actually, I think, um, if my memory serves me correctly, um, I think she does a, a report twice a year. She also comes in to our executive staff, to Dr. Gorey and myself, and, and presents the information in, um, to make sure that we are aware of schools that are growing. And we kind of are able then to, to walk away and kind of dig into to why some are having a greater impact than others. Um, she is looking at it not only from the lens of a, of a nine weeks or a quarter, but she's also looking at it for the entire year. Um, she's not looking at it at a day to day. It's just it's not it's it's not possible. So looking at um, longitudinally, how are we impacting groups of students? Also looking at cohorts. When a child leaves, you know, from one grade and goes to another, what's the impact of those supports from grade level to grade
0: level? Great. So my next question is, for, for the moneyed community of Caddo Parish that may not understand what life looks like at some of our schools or in some of the homes or neighborhoods of some of our students, can you describe it for us?
1: Anytime you're looking at a, a population where 70% of students are coming um, from poverty, um, it it is incredible the amount of challenges that some of our our families have. Um, we are fighting general, you know, generational poverty where there we have families that are in just cycles of, of not only poverty but many times dysfunction because of just the lack of support and systems not only within their home but within their area. Um, one of the, the most powerful, I think activities that I ever did with the principal was put staff members on a bus and we actually drove through neighborhoods where we serve students and you may say well, well wait Keith you just told us you were at Middle Magnet or you were at South Islands, you were at Fairfield you know those those were all magnet schools that's that's a selective population but we drew from neighborhoods all around this area and and so you know to be able to go down um, in the in depths of Cedar Grove and look at poverty there. I've also had um, friends tell me who have worked in Dallas or they've worked in Houston, and now they're working in Shreveport, that Keith, we've never seen poverty like we have locally. Um, we have you know, students who can go weeks without um, running water in their homes. And 2022, that just it, it amazes me that we're in a situation like that. Um, But not only, I don't think the poverty is the greatest issue as much as now what we're finding with, um, of course, the impact of of drug use and the impact of of mental health. Um, We, you know, it's one thing to come from a a challenged environment, but if you have healthy people within that challenged environment, then the likelihood of you succeeding is pretty strong. Many of our, um, you know, students that are coming in are coming in not only from very impoverished neighborhoods but they're also living in families that have extreme amount of dysfunction and mental illness. So it's important for us as a school district to, to be able to work closely with those families as very early as possible. That's why we're a big advocate of birth to, to three education. We want to be able to break the cycle of dysfunction and offer high intensity, you know, um, quality, daycare and, and early childhood education to families because there's there's no need for a family or for a child to grow up in this in this dysfunction when there are so many partners and opportunities available for them.
0: Great. So that leads me into my, my next question. Uh, you're part of Community Foundation's Early Childhood Education Cato Fund Initiative Steering Committee. In short, this initiative seeks to create more equity among our Cato Parish students by providing access for all our students to quality childcare and early education. Mm-hmm. I recently had Clay Walker on as a guest who said that when 14 year olds come to him, it's too late. In your opinion, program- programmatically, what are some things we can do for our six to 13 year olds that level the playing field in ways similar to the incredible work You've done for zero to five-year-olds with Community Foundation's Early Start Initiative.
1: Well, I think w- when you're talking about six to fourteen-year-olds, those are that's probably the age span that's the greatest challenge, um, and and Clay is right. I mean, if we are not addressing those issues before they're fourteen, they really are they, they really are lost. Um, the, w- one of the main things I think is is building a, a program around two structures. One is relationships. Those individuals, especially males in that grade level or grade span, must have a mentor. They must have a relationship with someone who is going to be able to um, be there for them, to be able to provide guidance to them, not only academically, but also just with with life decisions and and mentoring them on, on correct responses. Um, the the second thing is exposure to experiences. You know, you only know what you know. And if I am, you know, if I'm living in a in a land of dysfunction in my home, I'm at a, a school where possibly, let's say, there's a long term sub. I do not have someone that's a um, a day to day strong instructor. I'm doomed. You know, there there is no way that I'm going to be able to have those. Um, that success and so what, one of the things that we're wanting to do is ensuring that first of all we provide that high quality teacher every day now that that's that's one of our goals um, many of our classrooms for years and years and years had a turnover of subs day in and day out i know that's not a part of your question but many of the times the impact of that teacher who comes day in and day out and who is that mentor and develops that relationship To me, that's the greatest impact we can do as a school system, especially around some of those, um, those grade levels. The other thing is I think we have to be able to be aware of trauma Um, and not be responsive to trauma we are building and I know you've said you've talked to Casey and others one of the big shifts that we're making in our district is not just simply responding to a child that's having trauma but being trauma aware so that we are looking at those triggers so that we can no matter if I'm a bus driver no matter if I'm a school secretary or a cafeteria clerk when a child gets off that bus walks through the classroom or walks through that school i'm able to identify hmm, something's not right and i can rescue that child before they then go into a situation where they're going to be um, then um, you know adjudicated through you know a, a discipline program so that's important that we are building awareness and we're building those relationships Now, as far as as building exposure, we want those kids to be exposed to as many opportunities as possible. Um, What do I mean by that? First of all, we want to make sure that we are structuring structuring experiences through field trips. They need to be able to get outside of their neighborhood, outside of their school, and see this city. We have students in Caddo Parish that have never been to Bossier. We have students in Bozier who have never been to Caddo. We've got to be able to broaden that experience. Um, And, and, you know, your audience may say that, I I just don't believe in 2022 that's the case. I can remember several years ago, we were taking a group of students to um, Washington DC. These were our amazing shape students. And I was with a girl who was in fifth grade and we were in the Atlanta airport we got to a set of escalators and she got on the escalators and it scared her to death she immediately grabbed the rail her suitcase dropped and i said what's wrong what's wrong she said the stairs are moving she had never been on an escalator and this child was 10 or 11 years old so building experiences not only within our city but also of what's available making sure that they're walking on campuses of higher education that they're walking to ls you know they're walking the campus of lsus and centenary and southern and grambling and louisiana tech also they're aware of some of the opportunities that are available to them even if they don't go to college you know are they aware of the career and technical education opportunities and what does that mean um, what does it take to get that and also when they're walking um through those experiences and, and being exposed that they're seeing people that look like them we need to be very intentional that we are creating opportunities where a child who is six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old is able to see someone that looks like them that can mentor them and provide an opportunity for um, to build a passion for them for the rest of their lives.
0: And I know a little bit about Aces. Um, tell me a tell me a little bit about how we're educating our our bus driver, our cafeteria worker, to be more proactive versus reactive to trauma?
1: Well, first of all, understanding that uh, that child is not an at-risk child. That child is a child who is in an at-risk environment. And so, first of all, just educating them. um, It's now part of our, our... required training for all teachers and all staff that they go through this training so that they are aware of those triggers. Also, when a child is triggered and is responding like that, that we are, first of all, we're stopping, we're removing them early, and we're questioning what is going on. How can we help you? What is needed? Um, that is is really, I think, the core aspect of 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 shifting from just a a trauma responsive to a trauma-informed society
0: and explain that sorry I had so an at-risk child versus uh, whatever you just said just uh, clarify that a little bit for me
1: yeah I mean many times we look at you know populations of of students whether they're uh, from a certain school or they're in a certain demographic or uh, you know let's say poverty level and suddenly we almost shackle them with low expectations and so one of the things that we have to to be able to do is ensure that we understand that may be a a child that's in a very troubled situation yes they may be in poverty yes they may come from a dysfunctional home yes they may be in a a school that's been labeled as a failing school Um, but that child is not an at-risk child that child is just in an at-risk situation and so because of that what we need to do is attack the situation and the causes of those situations not necessarily um perpetuate the child's situation because of 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 really an unfair placement thanks we don't yeah i don't i never want a child to be shackled by their zip code you know that's that's one of the things that I think is, is the greatest response that we have in education because education you know, the best best definition I ever gave my own kids about definition or the definition of education is simply gives you freedom to make choices. You have the ability to make choices in your life, not someone else making the choices for you. And so we as educators need to make sure that we keep that philosophy in mind as we're working with students that do that come from these at-risk situations
0: thanks that makes sense Okay. like some of our community's other more complex issues I fully realize that there's no one magic bullet that will quickly propel Caddo Parish to be one of the highest-ranked public school systems in the country but if money were no issue program programmatically what would be other game-changers to our system and students like CIS and Community Foundation's Early Start Initiative. And I know you've covered some of this, but if there are other things that maybe you'd wanna explore or talk about.
1: Yeah, I think um, you know the greatest impact that we can provide for a, a child's a high quality teacher. So looking at, I would, I would, if, if money is, is off the table and we, I could really just wave a magic wand or click my heels and get anything I would want, I would think first of all, what can we do to ensure that every single classroom has a knowledgeable, qualified, highly effective teacher in front of children? I mean, that really is, is the very first thing. Um, so that's one of the questions we ask ourselves every week: Who, where are our classrooms that are in trouble because either they've had a um, they've had someone retire, they've had a long-term sub in a classroom for a period of time. Um, There's been turnover of whatever reason. What, Where are those classrooms and what are we doing about it? The second thing besides staff is time. Kids can learn, they need time in order to learn. So one of the key questions we ask is in, in our academic area is are we teaching the right thing the right way and how do we know it? Okay, and so we are looking at a series of benchmarks and assessments to you know to, to constantly refine our approach to instruction to ensure that students are growing because what we're wanting is to accelerate, especially coming from the, the recent pandemic, we're wanting to not only provide that child with a year's worth of education but we want to accelerate that learning. That's one of the reasons why we've first of all, we started this year in elementary and middle schools on August 1st rather than a typical um, school year, so we gave them more time. We've also identified those grade levels that need the, the greatest amount of um, time. and that's um, especially, as you just mentioned earlier with the grade span, upper elementary and middle school. We doubled the amount of, of math minutes. Um, we block we double blocked mathematics in um, middle school. We saw on test scores, a recent test release and last year's release that our um, our priority in that area has, has paid. It was a great return on investment, so it's one of the best returns we can do. Um, and then the last thing, really, which is the easiest, is just providing the resources needed, um, and especially with all of the the money that's come from the federal government um, in response to COVID-19, there's really no excuse for a school not to have everything they need as far as technology. We've never been as technology rich as we are now. Um, We have, every child has um, a tier one, a top rated curriculum that they are learning from that's tied to national standards, and of course tied directly to um, Louisiana state standards. So when we look at, you know, Quality. I think it's person, ensuring that whatever we're doing is putting that high-quality teacher and leader in front of that, that kid. Also time, ensuring there's no time lost and that we are giving kids additional time as needed in the area of literacy and math. And then the third thing, I would think of all the resources, the tools by which that high-quality staff member and that student can um, achieve as, as much as possible.
0: we'll get a little more general now what are what are some areas that are more challenging today in Caddo Parish public schools than they have been at other times during your 31 year career
1: I would think the greatest challenge now is um, there there used to be a greater I I think appreciation of the classroom teacher than there is now Um, at when I first started and and when I was principal many times you know a a parent could be frustrated, a parent could be um, upset over an issue but they never really would attack a teacher as we're seeing now. Um, I was talking to a brand new first grade or excuse me fifth grade teacher yesterday and she doesn't teach in Caddo; she teaches in Dallas and she was just explaining what she was going through and it was not the kids that were the greatest Issues. it was not you know, it was not her, her staff members or her principal or her administration. Her greatest challenge came from parents and it was questioning her ability, questioning her decisions. Um, no matter what she did, she said, Miss Burton, I just feel like I'm, I'm failing because I'm being questioned at at every turn. So I think the lack of appreciation for what it means to be a classroom teacher in 2022 is something that I think is one of our greatest challenges. We have to build back that profession. We are not a profession of desperation. I tell our brand new teachers when I get a chance to stand in front of them, first of all, they are, you know, they're the most important profession in the world. I mean, they have the opportunity to touch a, a child and, and be able to create not only knowledge but passion and opportunities for a child to do whatever they want. Um, but many times they, first of all, that teacher has to respect the profession and 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 lead and teach in a way that um, also builds it. with. With around but the community as a whole we must really I think re- have a reset around the appreciation of what it takes to teach in today's time
0: I'm curious what do you my wife is a school teacher I'm, I'm curious so what do you attribute that societal shift to uh, wh- wh- uh, how, when and how did that change the way that uh, a lot of people view teachers and I don't
1: think it's just teachers I think it's authority in, in general you know if we look at how society responds to, um, whether it's a police officer or responds to a manager or responds to, to, to really any, any group that, that's in authority, um, they don't respond well to them nowadays. Um, they, they're very challenged around it. So I really think that's really kind of more a reflection of society more than anything else.
0: All right, so I'm down to my last question with you, which is basically the opposite of what I just asked you. And the question is, what are some areas that are better today than they have been at other times during your 31-year career?
1: Uh, well, I could, I could, we could go for a while here. We, we got you know, plenty yeah, and, plenty and, of time. And driving over here this morning, you know, I had no idea what you were going to ask. And but one of the things I wanted to to make sure and, and get across is too many times when when I come on a program like this where we have the opportunity to to speak in the public we're only speaking about the challenges we really never talk about the successes Um, there are so many great things that are going on in our area in our community that we should be very very proud of first of all let's let's just start in Louisiana Um, now we are a state of course that has great challenges around poverty, and and we could could spend a lot of time there. But one of the things that I think that our citizens need to know is our accountability system in Louisiana, how we grade schools, the exams and tests that our kids take that then equates to a letter grade or some status is comparable to any state in America. I mean, they can take our accountability system and really compare it to... um, the, the Northeast. Um, it's almost laughable when we compare compare our accountability system to some neighbors around, because the tests that they are taking, the letter grades that they are using, um, is is not nearly as rigorous as what we're uh, using in in our our state. And I, one of the the things I wish I could do each year would be to give board members. And, and really any community member of uh, an eighth grade LEAP math test and be able for them to sit down and really appreciate what we are expecting from really third grade all the way through high school. I mean, it is it is very rigorous, very challenging. And our kids are holding their own. Now, do we have a, lot, a long way to go? Absolutely. So first of all, state-wise, I think we've got some really bright people. Um, Dr. Bromley's doing an outstanding job. Um, Trying to, to balance the needs of schools versus the needs of, of, of the business community and, and so on and so forth. But a lot of good things going on in the, the state. As far as Cato in itself, first of all, you've got to start with Dr. Glory. I mean, anybody that, that spends any time with him will tell you he's dynamic, he's positive, he wants the very best for every student in our um, in our city no matter their zip code no matter what school or or what they look like he wants the very best for them so when you start with a leader like that then everything else kind of works itself out other things we just celebrated matter of fact last week test scores were released our district grew in all four major areas which is incredible Um, we maintained a very high progression grade which was outstanding not only um, I mean we're a C district we were very close before the pandemic of becoming a B district um, we're we'll be back on our way to to that but we grew in all major areas what are
0: those four areas just quickly Well, just
1: when you look at um, science social studies okay. mathematics we chose gotcha. right? those those okay. four content areas um, we also have a, a very high graduation rate um, we've we've now met the, the Catapierce record for um, graduation rate. Um, we still have students that are scoring perfect ACTs in multiple high schools around our district. Um, and the other thing I think I'm most proud of is there now seems to be a, a cohesion, some unison around community response and our our work. Um, you know, there's trust. When you look at community to partners in our schools and our school board, there's trust there. Um, there's you know, And when you have trust, then you can go into um, better conversations because you can have honest conversations where you can really look and attack data, attack problems and not worry about someone's you know value judgment or hidden agenda. So I think we've got high levels of trust. Um, and the other thing is when we look at needs around staffing even though we we are are still going to always struggle i think ensuring that we have i don't think any of us are going to be happy unless we have every single classroom filled with a high quality teacher we will never be satisfied but when we look at the impact of um, retirement and the the flight out of teaching across the nation we did not find that in caddo parish we 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 and first of all i think that's due to um, a very assertive recruiting platform. Um, our HR department led by Lisa Wolf. Dr. Karen Peace, leads our recruiting effort. A lot of what they've done has been tremendous as far as working with not only leaders of higher education, but also building within our own um, school system um, mentoring opportunities and being able to identify those that are interested in going into classrooms and and be teachers as well as looking at what are some of the degree professionals that we had in our buildings paraprofessionals we we had a lot of bus drivers who had a college degree but yet just never knew the opportunity that they had to to become teachers and so very pleased about that
0: and this wasn't a question i was going to ask you but as i'm sitting here i think i have to ask you so I've had one of your students on as a guest. Uh, I I certainly would like to have other students as we move forward. As I look around, you know, one of our biggest challenges as a community is that we lose a lot of our best and brightest. From your perspective, What can we do as a community to do a better job of holding on in the future to some of our, holding on more in the future to some of our best and brightest? Yeah.
1: Well, I think it it definitely goes to opportunity. So we must be able to build um, industry. We must be able to build um, the job market so that when a student does either graduate from high school or um, a technical school or a four-year college that there's interest in coming back. I think already there's been a shift with the attack on crime and ensuring that, that our communities are safer. Um, but then I think we as a, you know, we as a community, um, we've got to do a better job of being pleased with what we have in this area. We have some dynamic, first of all, resources. Now, do we have some needs? Absolutely. But if we're focused on the needs and building out a long-term plan, there's no reason why we can't build a community that will attract all of our graduates to come back. But it's going to take some time. It's going to take some focus. And it's going to take buy-in from every single part of this community.
0: Thanks, Keith. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for all you're doing. Uh, We're super fortunate to have you. Thank you. Keep it up. All right. Appreciate you. Thank you.